Hi, this is Dan Kurtzke, and tonight we're going to take a look at Green Lantern Mosaic issue 12. This is the John Stewart solo series from the early 90s, and and this one falls squarely under You Have Got To Be Kidding Me. Um, hey, everybody, guess what's on the mosaic? The KKK. Yeah, that KKK. I can't believe, of all things, this hasn't come up before. Although there's... There's a reference in here to human couple not knowing they were around, so so maybe this group was started anew on the mosaic by a collection of of disgruntled people that got transported here as opposed to just some chunk of a, a white supremacist neighborhood being scooped up and sent to Oa for some reason. Um Oh god. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I was actually I was kind of surprised to see that this issue reaches back to what we covered in episode zero, uh, when talking about Green Lantern issues fourteen through seventeen, where, where you know the conflict of that arc was kicked off by a human child being gunned down by the alien expansionists. You, you remember them, right? Um, and the boy's father rising up and inciting a mob to violence. Like that's that's what that initial story was about. We really haven't seen anything. We haven't seen those aliens. We haven't seen that family. It's it's just kind of been been almost forgotten. Like I I forgot about it too. But you know what? Right here, that man's name is Rockwell. I think his first name's Moses. Moses Rockwell, and he's front and center now again. And he seems to be the brains behind the clan. <laughs> at least at least this chunk of it. Um, so the clan is setting up outside the home of that elderly human couple I mentioned already. Well, you know, two of them were inside entertaining guests, and there's a pair of of Zudarians. That's that's Tomar's people, or and one of the Peepers. Uh, that's those little dudes with the, like a billion eyes, and they they look actually kind of adorable. Which is, I, I mean, I, ma- I imagine in real life they would be just really disgusting looking and slimy but what it's cute it's cute um <laughs> they're just relaxing looking at vacation slides and it's kind of funny one of the one of the, one of the zudarians sees a picture of earth cars and thinks they must be armored military vehicles as nothing that big could possibly be needed just for basic travel um <laughs> you know speaking again on the peeper i think it's significant that one of them is there is as he says something about sending out a distress call, and then two panels later, John is on the scene. Uh, remember a couple issues back, John said he was deploying these little guys all over the mosaic to basically be his living security network. You know, a, a decision I still feel like is going to come back to bite him. But anyway, John shows up <laughs> and he makes quick, funny work of the clan's members. He scoops them all up into a giant green frying pan and holds them over 
all the burning religious effigies they lit on fire in the front yard themselves. And they're they're just screaming and screaming until John just kind of tosses them away across the yard. It's, this is great. And, you know, John hesitated to do that, too, because he really, really wanted to kill those guys, which is really, it's very understandable. I mean, but he really can't come up with a definitive answer to all of this that doesn't completely undercut what he's been trying to do all this time. You know, if he uses lethal force against them, how can he, how can he honestly continue to preach to people about accepting each other regardless of differences and, and finding ways to compromise? He can't even use his ring to scan the minds of all the humans on the mosaic to root out the clan members. I mean, I mean he could, but then he'd just be proving right everyone who already thinks that he favors aliens over his own people, which again was very prevalent back in those Green Lantern issues that kicked all this off. John also has a dream sequence here, which I gotta tell you, after last issue, really doesn't do anything for me. I think my quota for meaningful dream sequences is used up for the time being. But it's the literal version of John's struggle for his own identity in the face of what all is going on, and in the form of a cliche super team fight, you know. On one side, you've got the Minister X-Men. <laughs> That's right. Versus the Blue-Eyed Devils. What's most interesting about this is that John casts himself as one of the villains. Now, he's a member of the Blue-Eyed Devils, uh, codenamed the Integrator. And the Black Heroes assembled look at him as a traitor. And in his dream he has chains around his neck and says the white guys have everyone's best interest at heart. So John is way conflicted about himself right now. And also Katma shows up uh, playing the role of the red queen, as they call her and a character that each member of the blue eyed devils invokes to their aid, which God, John has the most fucked up dreams. I swear to God. Honestly, the best part of this is that he fell asleep reading one of the DC Archive editions, those those really expensive hardback collections of early Hal Jordan stories, and he's just reading in and wishing that he could be that kind of superhero. So things could be as simple as they are in the comic books. <laughs> and you know, if they really wanted to play with this, this whole concept of like, what is a hero, what does it mean to be a hero, was you know, the realism of it versus the fiction of it versus the fictionalized realism of it. They should have a comic store. Like, like whatever chunk of town had somebody's LCS in it, make that be the part that got scooped up and brought to Oa and, and just, like, hang out there for a while. That would be... That will make for a good issue or half issue or something. Probably won't happen, though. Sigh. The issue ends with John being called in by Kelly, one of the Mosaic kids, because... The clan's saying building's on fire now, and when John shows up, he sees something weird. Well, the weird and then weirder is the people being terrorized by the KKK members setting fires are Rockwell and his boys. John's like, what? What? You know, what's what the hell's going on here? This something's not right. And and when John turns around, what does he see? Five aliens decked out in clan robes. And John laughs and laughs and laughs. And that's part one. The first two-parter in this series, and by God, it feels special, doesn't it? (laughs) 
I question whether it's a coincidence that this issue prominently places ads for Milestone comics throughout. I mean, Milestone, you'll remember, was the comics imprint that Dwayne McDuffie was using to try and improve the standing of minority characters in comics, which... God, this had to have been on purpose. This is just too perfect of it. Now, an interesting note is the fact that everything bad the KKK does in this issue is directed exclusively at fictional alien races. You know, there's there's a white couple who are perfectly accepting of aliens who get warned to stay out of it, but nothing bad happens to them for being sympathizers in Air Bunnies. And John, who just by being a black man should be the target of their hate, he isn't. As a matter of fact, Rockwell even kind of defends John in a, a backhanded sort of way. Various paranoid clan members start rattling off junk like how John wants to keep the Mosaic Cities trapped on Oa so he can push them all around with his ring and have his pick of all the white women there citing Rose as proof. Uh, but Rockwell interrupts and says that no, John is a totally sincere guy who believes that cold mingling cultures is a good thing for everybody and and that John just doesn't understand that separatism breeds competition, which is tied to survival of the fittest, which is the way of nature and the world, and all that junk that's... Ugh. Uh, Rockwell even states that John's convinced the Guardians to keep everyone on Mosaic even longer, which actually is kind of true. <laughs> I really I find it interesting the way that Gerard Jones chose to approach the KKK in this story. Because it was... It was more level-headed than you would expect, and and that Rockwell's reasonings do make a good deal of sense when you think about viewing the world through the lens of someone who's lost his son to aliens, which was actually kind of a smart device to use, because I have to imagine... I mean, this, is, this issue is very blatant both inside and on the cover about using the symbolism and iconography of the clan. I mean, on the covers of this issue, as you'll see in the thread when I put it up, is is a bunch of clan members in full, you know, full hooded attire, burning John on a cross, basically. And and there's a two-page spread in this issue of you know a team of of clansmen, again, full attire, standing in front of burning religious emblems. I would not be at all surprised to find that the fact that all of their violence was directed towards fictional alien species and not humans of one color or another was kind of pivotal to them being allowed to publish this issue, especially... Or something I haven't brought up at all in doing these episodes is that every single issue of Mosaic has the, the seal of approval from the Comics Code Authority, which I just find hilarious... Oh my god. <laughs> but, I mean, the the Ku Klux Klan is right up there with Hitler as some of the most universally recognized monstrous villains in human history. They're obviously the bad guys, and obviously everything they're trying to do is wrong. But Rockwell's not an extremist. I question if he's even a racist, honestly. People fear what they don't know, and... When the unknown pulls out a gun and murders your son, well, I'm reminded of the Trendoids issue where, where regular, everyday people were igniting race riots without 
the kind of stressor Rockwell had to push him over the edge. If anything, something like the KKK manifesting on Mosaic probably should have happened sooner than it did. And that's not me endorsing it, so don't you write me. Um, Going to the letters page now, it's... It just so happens that this is the issue spotlighting issue number eight, the Trendoid story, where where the subject of race really came into the mosaic prominently for the first time. It's it's like they planned this or something. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, the letters pages really were the internet forums of their time because letter writers are starting to fight with each other. This this takes time and dedication jesus <laughs> i actually i actually read a letter in a past episode where a guy wrote that uh, i don't have it in front of me but he, he basically said that john can't settle for anything less than black companionship and you know, this is the guy that called rose a trollop or something and two or three people write in just to yell at this guy it's great <laughs> there's there's a bunch of really good ones in here so so much so that I'm in a position again where I'd end up reading two straight pages to you guys, and I'm not gonna do that. So, um, oh, but one thing does get brought up, uh, straying from race momentarily. One fan brings up Rose's son Toby, and how neither John nor Rose seem to even really care about him or interact with him much, and he even brings up a really good point that, hey. John gave rings to four random stranger kids he just happened to run into, but not Toby. The closer we get to the end, the more I feel like we're never going to get Rose and Toby flushed out like I'd like them to be, but damn, there's some good potential right here. Let's see, forum feedback this time. And for issue 8, there was zero. There was nothing. You're all slackers, and I hate you. Not really. Uh, But we do have an email I'll throw in here, since we have room. Um, This comes from Elijah Iseli, and I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. It's E-I-S-E-L-E. There's probably an accent on something that I'm saying incorrectly. That's just how we roll here at the Lantern Cast. We've mispronounced your name, and by God, we stick to it. Uh, He says... Dude, keep up the good work. Since you have Mosaic about wrapped, you should go back and do Emerald Dawn 1 and 2, even though they are retconned out due to Secret Origin. It would be cool to hear you review them. Either way, can't wait for the next podcast. And thanks for the kind words, man. I, I could be wrong, and if I am, it's probably at least tangentially related to the fact that I'm recording this very, very early in the morning, but I, I think this is the first time... Elijah has contacted the show, and and that's... I love it when that happens. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love hearing from all of our regulars and our, our little family on the forum, but when every now and then somebody new will just come out of the woodwork, and, and that's just awesome to see. If you have not written in yet, or called, or whatever, just, just pop in, you can just say hi, it doesn't matter. If you're embarrassed to hear your thing on the show, I won't. I won't read it if you don't want me to. But you know, specify that distinctly. <laughs> um, uh, but as to what you said, um, Emerald Dawn is it's funny. Emerald Dawn one, we actually <laughs> like two back when 
back when Jim and I first started the show, I think the very first episode we tried to record was kind of a simultaneous cross-referency review of both the Secret Origin and Emerald Dawn one, and that God ended up not working out at all. We just we had to start over because we, it, it and not only did it go long our. Our recording software in the early days was so much worse than even it is even now. So that just that ended up not seeing the light of day. Uh, we most likely are going to go back and do the Emerald Dawns again at some point. Um, I'm not going to be doing them solo though. I can pretty much guarantee you that. And uh, as for as for me doing future solo podcasting in general, I'm you know what I'm actually probably going to come back to this again. I have something in mind, but I'm not going to do it right away. You know, this is this has been a really interesting experiment. It has been a lot of fun. It's just been it's probably been the most challenging thing I've done ever since starting to podcast like over two years ago. But because again, I know I've said it on the show before, but like right now, I'm talking to a computer screen. There's no one else. I I <laughs> I feel borderline insane right now because I'm talking to inanimate objects out loud in the middle of the night <laughs> all I need now is for somebody to walk through that door behind me and just kind of stare at me funny <laughs> and they would be right too but <laughs> but no this is great and I'm definitely going to come back to it and I'm not going to to drop what it is yet but once I'm done doing my own uh, solo look at a series, Jim is considering doing one of his own. I know he has the book picked out, and it's just going to be a matter of of him finding the time to do it. So, so tentatively, look for my next solo podcasting endeavor on this feed sometime after Jim finishes his, and I'm going to save, save the, what book it will be until much, much later. So, ha 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 ha. Tease. And okay, I think that's gonna just about wrap us up. This is this is a nice short episode compared to last <laughs> last week. Jesus, oh my god, that was such a long episode. I'm kind of glad to be back to like the regular mosaicy kind of issue, despite all of the somewhat uncomfortable, hate crimey <laughs> things about this issue. When I was reading those first couple of pages, it did kind of kind of feel like it felt more like a mosaic issue than issue 11 did because issue 11 was really kind of it was it was almost an info dump issue I can't really call it that because it didn't really tell us anything except that it did ow (laughs) but this one it's it's actually something that I didn't even bring up is how Rockwell is kind of presented as like the anti-John Stewart where he yeah he's He's the white guy who's trying to to promote strength through separatism and he's standing that he's standing around speaking at least for the first couple of pages in quotations at people, which I completely forgot to throw in there earlier but and but this time he's not speaking to the audience he's speaking to other characters exclusively so he's 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 got a, a bunch of of opposite parallels to Jon Stewart. Huh. <laughs> this he might actually be good for the arch nemesis thing from that uh, that recent Lantern House episode. Uh whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh you can you can write me 
at dan at lantercast.com and the show in general at lantercast at gmail.com and and um we're on facebook we're also on thecomicforums.com uh scroll on down to l for lanterncast it's alphabetical you can find everything we have including twitter or on twitter too uh find all of it through lanterncast.com and and you know send in your feedback we're we're getting closer and closer to the end here people so so write me while you can haha <laughs> nah nah don't all still We'll still play any any feedback that doesn't make it into one of these onto the Lanterncast proper, but write anyway. Just do it. Come on. Come on. Especially with a book like this, feedback is golden. <sighs> Alright. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>